Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right, so Matt, I have six legs, eight arms, and ten heads. What am I? I was going to say like a baseball team, but that's not it. No, I'm a liar. (laughs) Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Good. I'm doing pretty good. Good to be back. Oh, yeah. So, speaking of being back... Um, we're supposed to be dark next week, but you know how Matt and I are. We, when special things happen, we don't like to be dark. So it's Christmas next week, and and we don't want to be dark on Christmas. So we're gonna be putting out an episode. You know, it'll be an ad free bonus episode for you guys, and it's the listener stories episode. Um, yeah. and it's gonna be the last episode of 2020. Believe it or not, I know. After all this time, we we finally reached the finish line, people. I know. It's crazy. So the uh, after uh, that episode, the, the next one you'll hear will be in 2021. So this one and one more episode and we're out of 2020, guys. It, it's it's been a it's been a year. It sure has. It's it's. <laughs> It's been more like 15 years, it seems like, but, you know, it, it's only been a year. So, it's it's wild. I I was looking at our calendar yesterday and realized uh, the, you know, how how long we've got left in the year and I I couldn't believe it. Could not uh, believe it. I know it feels like it was just July. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm thinking about what what I was doing back in July, and I'm like, God, that was just the other day, right? Yeah. Well, see that that's the weird part about the, these lockdowns and quarantines that we've had is, in one sense, I told Ashley this. In one sense, it feels like it's been four years already. 2020 has been four years, but then in another way, it's like the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. It's crazy. But as we always say. Go check out Podbelly, the the Podbelly Network. Go to podbelly.com and check them out. You can find different shows to listen to, and you can find, you know, ways to record your podcast or little tips and tricks and stuff like that. So go check them out at podbelly.com. We also want to thank tonight's sponsors, BetterHelp, AMC Shutter, and HelloFresh. And we'll talk more about them here in a minute. Now, if you are not a patron, 
go to patreon.com slash graveyard tales and you can sign up to become a patron. We have one, five, and ten dollar tiers that you can join. And Matt and I put out for our ten dollar patrons, we like to put out the video of us recording these episodes. So our ten dollar patrons are watching us right now doing all this and I'm waving at them and all that. So you can <laughs> weekly you get to see us record the episode and we don't cut out as much as we would um, in the audio episode. So you'll get to see us fumble through things in real time. Um, sometimes I put our outtakes if they're funny at the end of the audio episode, but for the Patreon $10 patrons, um, they get to see it in real time as it's happening. And it, it's fun. We think it's fun and we've had some good feedback from it. And then for our $5 patrons, and the $10 patrons, we put out videos of the Patreon episodes. So everybody gets the audio, but the $5 and $10 patrons get the video of those Patreon episodes. So if you want to see us do this, if you want to look at our ugly mugs, then you know sign up for uh, Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash graveyardtales, and you can sign up and get to check us out. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. Because you get to put our faces with our voices, which people still get us switched. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And it is it is interesting because we still have people go, really? that That's where the voice is coming out of? Yes, yeah. it is. That's right. We, we always thought it, it, that Matt was the other voice and Adam was this, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yep. yep. I'm the so. one that laughs like Barney Rubble. So. <laughs> right. So, and I'm the suave debonair no not really <laughs> easy <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to if you want to put faces to the voices uh, go over there and check us out on patreon now real quick before we get into the episode matt I, I thought it was interesting and i thought you would find this interesting too that over the past six months there has been a wave of people that are said to be sending back rocks relics and artifacts to these historical sites after they took them you know like years ago they would have taken one of them and we've talked about that before but there's been this wave of people sending it back and they said that 2020 has made them reflect on possible dangers of having these and like bad luck and all that stuff and we've talked about that before that, you know, you send stuff back to these haunted sites that you take, but it seems yeah. to be a lot of just historical sites are getting mail that, oh, I, I took this rock from your, you know, your, your courtyard right. or whatever. Right. Don't, don't steal from historical sites. Folks. Yeah. First of all. That, yeah. That's why there's a gift shop. <laughs> all right. Know, get buy your souvenirs don't don't steal your souvenirs that's bad juju to begin with but right if you're gonna steal from a haunted location then in my opinion you get what you get i there mean there you go you, you you make bad life decisions <laughs> and, you know stuff's gonna happen you know? it's yep. like you know look we told you don't you don't take a picture of robert the doll without his permission you don't steal a rock from this haunted prison you know whatever you just don't do it mm-hmm. you know something bad's gonna happen oh so. yeah <laughs> yep and it seems to be that more and more people are finding that out whether whether they feel like 2020 is because of 
that um, or not. They they have been sending them back in kind of maybe a, a retrospective look at it going, you know what? Maybe some of the bad stuff that's happened to me in 2020 is because I took this uh, latch off of this rusting door from this haunted tower or something, you know, and yeah. they're sending them back. One of the ones I read was in England. Somebody had stolen a key from this historical tower, a key to one of the doors, and they sent it back. And the people at the the tower said, well, we don't know how you got it. You know, thanks for sending it back. Don't worry that if you're going to get in trouble, we're not you're not going to get in trouble. We just want you to come forward and tell us how you got this and when. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I, I thought that was interesting that the person sent it back. And I, I saw this as a coast to coast link. Um, and the note said. Uh, returning this key that I borrowed. Sorry for the delay. They borrowed it in 1947. 1947? Yep. <laughs> so, Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> so, I had the thing 60 some odd years. Just yeah. freaking keep it. Well, they, 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 they said sorry for the delay. So, I mean, I don't know what the delay was. But Sorry for the delay. Yeah. I meant to send this back in 1957, but, you know, time got away from me. And Man. Yeah. So, I thought that was interesting. And, and like Matt said, don't steal from any historical site, especially haunted historical sites. Right. Because, as my granddaddy always said, if you pee in the bed, you're the one that's going to have to lay in it. So... <laughs> Remember that. That's Don't right. pee in your own right. bed because you're going to have to lay in it. So That's right. <laughs> pee in someone else's bed. Exactly. Go pee in your brother's bed. That's easier. Then they got to lay in it. But on that note of peeing in beds, Matt, why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight? You are the Segway master. I try. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know we all have that from time to time, and a lot more of us have that here lately. I mean, it's just, it, it seems to be that way this year, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but if you feel the need to get help, you can check out BetterHelp, and BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours, and remember, it's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help line. This is professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be available locally in your areas because if you live in a smaller area, you may not have the, the people and the counselors there to be able to help you out with your specific needs. So that, that's one of the best things about BetterHelp is that you can find this type of expertise. And the service is available for clients worldwide. So if you're outside the U.S. listening to us, you can jump on the BetterHelp train and get the help that you need. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. And that, that was always my biggest thing when I did um, the the therapy for a while is I hated sitting in that room, Matt. I don't know about you, but that 
That was always weird to me, and and that's one of the great things about this is you don't have to. Right, right. You, you always kind of feel a little self-conscious when you're kind of just sitting there. And you mm-hmm. can avoid that with BetterHelp. Now, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and, most importantly, free to change counselors if you need to. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. So visit BetterHelp.com slash great, that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. So the special offer for Graveyard Tales listeners is you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash grave. That's better H-E-L-P.com slash grave. G-R-A-V-E. Exactly. So to get 10% off your first month, just go to betterhelp.com. That's better H-E-L-P.com slash grave. G-R-A-V-E. Okay, so tonight we're gonna we're gonna dig into uh, another haunted prison. And Adam, I don't know about you, but I I love the haunted prisons. And it's oh yeah, you know, some people might hear this and go, oh, another one, another one. How many haunted prisons are they going to talk about? Well, we're not going to talk them. about all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, <laughs> but, but we talk about enough of them. But here's the cool thing about haunted prisons is the characters behind some of these hauntings are so interesting oh yeah i mean you know these old prisons housed some very unique criminals and you know things were different 50 60 hell 100 years ago when when these prisons were operating yep and it just makes for some interesting reading and some very fascinating hauntings. Right. You know, plus, when you look at these old prisons, they they built them like castles. I mean, the mm-hmm. architecture is stunning. I mean, you, you, you look at the front of these buildings and you're just like, holy cow, this is this was a prison. Yeah, you think it, it should be over in England somewhere. Exactly. But they're all over the United States. You know, these old old prisons. You know, there's one right here in Nashville, the tennis the old Tennessee State Penitentiary. That's where they uh, filmed the Green Mile, wasn't it? The Green the Green Mile. Yep. And The Last Castle with Robert Redford was filmed there as well. Hmm. Um and, and interestingly enough, our haunted prison tonight. The West Virginia Penitentiary, also known as Moundsville Prison, yep, was the runner-up for filming the Green Mile. Oh, nice! And it lost out to the Tennessee State Penitentiary uh, right at the end. So the the Moundsville Prison, um, operating from 1876 all the way up to 1995, it's crazy. 
It uh, it definitely has the look of haunted prison. And they did house some very interesting characters. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't know about you, Adam, but I was really surprised at how active this place is even today. Yeah. I mean, you know, there is a lot of paranormal activity that, that goes on all throughout uh, the prison grounds. It hasn't slowed down, that's for sure. No, no. And uh, we'll get into more about, um, you know, how you can visit the prison and what events they have for you to go and experience this. You know, not not all of the prisons that we uh, we talk about are open for for uh, public viewing or tours or anything like this, but Moundsville definitely is, and we'll get into that. But as always with the haunted prison, you got to know the history of this place to to really get a feel for the hauntings. So, Adam, let's dig into the history. All right, and this one, like Matt said, this has some history to it. Um, a little warning: some of it is a little bit graphic. Um, so. If any of that bothers you, then, you know, you may kind of be careful with it. Um, it's not too bad. I intentionally cut out most of the gory stuff. Yeah. Um, and we'll have links in the in the sources down there for you to go if you really want to read the gory stuff. But I tried to cut it out for the most part since we're a, a PG-13-ish show. Um, but it, it is a little dicey. It, it's more gory than some of our other places. But as I mentioned in the show notes down in the bottom of the show notes is our sources. You can go down there and see where we pulled all this information from. You can follow along or you can take a little bit more of a deep dive into it. So go check out those sources if you're interested once we're done with the episode. Now, let's get into it. Now, this is public records from the Ohio County Public Library. And this says the West Virginia State Penitentiary in Moundsville was the state's first penal institution. And as Matt said, it was open for 129 years until it closed in 1995. Now, the period of significance for the penitentiary is from 1866 to 1939. So there's some time in there before it really got going, you know, that it was being built and all this other stuff that they... Um, are including in this, but like Matt said, you know, it, it was probably a good 10 years, 1876 or so before it really got going. Um, now, the state of West Virginia, we need to look at, it was formed during years of the Civil War. Now, it became the 35th state in 1863. At the time, the county jails were sued for incarceration of prisoners. Beginning in 1864, the legislature directed Governor Arthur Borman to have all persons convicted of felonies confined to the Ohio County Jail in Wheeling. And I actually know some people from Wheeling, West Virginia, so that's interesting to hear. Some old buddies of mine were from Wheeling, West Virginia. <laughs> but not from the prison, I hope. And we, we never talked about that. They could have been. <laughs> I, I, I don't like to pry, Matt. I don't like to pry. If they offer the information, okay. But, uh, know. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did a little time in Wheeling. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we can still be friends. Just don't shank me, please. Um, 
Now, an act of legislature in 1866 directed the Board of Public Works to select a site of not less than 10 acres of land in or near Moundsville and to appoint a board of directors. Now, they appropriated $50,000 to buy land and to begin construction. Now, the same amount was also appropriated in 1867 and 1868, quote, to be applied to defraying the expenses that have and may arise from the building of the penitentiary at Moundsville, end quote. Now, this goes on to say there is an additional note in 1868 that says, quote, provided that the board of directors shall expend said money or so much thereof as may be necessary on the finishing of the cell building now under construction and in putting up the outer wall so as to render the convict secure, end quote. Now, they say that the site was chosen in Moundsville, um, the site that was chosen in Moundsville is directly across from the Grave Creek Mound, now a National Historic Landmark. Now, this is one of the largest conical-type Adena mound structures, dating to roughly 250 to 150 B.C. Now, the mound was excavated in 1838, but the surrounding landscape, including the penitentiary grounds, have not had detailed archaeological testing. So, Matt, we've got a big mound here. Dating mm-hmm. back possibly 250 BC. Can you imagine the history in this place? Oh yeah, yeah, and and just you know the 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 ground where this prison stands. Mm-hmm. You know the the ground itself could could very well hold the energy that kept a lot of these prisoners from ever actually leaving, right? Even after their death. I mean, you know, you, you you build a structure on, you know, a, a, an Indian mound. And what do you again, expect? You're going to get what you get. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. It's 100% true. I mean, you you build something on a modern cemetery. You're probably going to get some issues, you know. And, you know, I think it's interesting that 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 we we've heard stories like this through history where these burial mounds have structures built on top of them and they're they become problematic either either there's hauntings there or there's strange activity um or there's a lot of bloody history that they attribute to bad luck or misfortune for for doing such a thing but understandably, you know, we're talking about the 1800s. It, it, they didn't really care. Yeah. You know, they, you know, there, there was no sensitivity to this. No. Um, no. I mean, they, you know, the, the, they didn't care at all. And, you know, the people just, yeah, whatever, you know, they just built yeah. over right the top of we it. We need, we need this land. So we're putting something here. It didn't matter to them. Right. You know, I, I they, you know, they sure as heck didn't care that, you know, Native Americans were already living there. <laughs> yeah, right. They're certainly not going to show any interest for the ones that were buried there. Right, exactly. Um, you know, and of course, thank goodness, over over the centuries, that has changed. Yep. Um, but it, it didn't. It didn't change the fact that it still happened, and we see a lot of activity in these places that are that are built on or around these areas. Right. Right. Now, this goes on to talk about the prison building itself. 
And it says that the Gothic revival style of architecture was popular in America from 1840 to 1880 for both domestic dwellings and public buildings. Now, the style was chosen for the penitentiary and culminated in one of the best examples of the high style of Gothic revival in West Virginia. This says that the facade is fairly symmetrical with attached buttresses dividing the large window areas, which were designed to bring light into each cell for a period of time each day. The sandstone facade has multiple battlements with circular or angular turrets and lancet windows. Now, the roof edge has a running crenellation around the exterior walls, making the penitentiary appear as a fortress, just like Matt was talking about. Yeah, that's and, what I was going to say. They built it like a fort. Yeah, and go go look up pictures of this, and, and we might post some um, after this episode drops, but it looks like an ancient fort. Yeah. You know, like you would find back, like I said, in England that, you know, Robert the Great may have uh, fought from, you know. Yeah. It's funny. I just made bu- somebody up, but, you know. <laughs> a, a building that was built to hold people in from the outside looks like it's meant to keep people out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly. exactly what it looks like. They should have turned the design in, in like inside out. Yeah. <laughs> and all the battlements inside. And it's like. Can you imagine that? You know, it's like, <laughs> what, the, what the heck is this place? And yeah. you, you get inside. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's amazing. The outside looks like the inside, and the inside looks like the outside. <laughs> then a couple of morons like Adam and I would be like, well, they should have built this the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. What did they do here? They should have turned it around. We can't please these idiots. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> now, this goes on to say that the facade of the administration building is also symmetrical with twin towers and battlements. The center entrance is topped by a false gable end with the state seal flanked by pinnacles. Now, all the windows have stone surrounds and on the porch are wide, low-pointed arches, details seen in the Gothic Revival style. Now, the result is a formidable facade, slightly intimidating, and stretches for three blocks with the sense of scale being very large. Now, the design concept, they say, of the penitentiary follows the Auburn plan developed in Auburn, New York, also called the, quote, silent system. The concept dates to 1818 with a type of cell block where the cells are enclosed within a great containing building with cells back to back and several tiers in height. This was also designated as the, quote, inside cell type of construction. Now, often made of steel, the cell blocks were large, airy, and sanitary, here, inmates were able to work together during the day and were separate at night. This differed from the Pennsylvania system where prisoners were separated at all times. And we've talked about the Pennsylvania system in a mm-hmm. couple of our other prisons. So right. this is kind of a, um, uh, you know, they, totally different than what we talked about in the last prison that we did, where that was the Pennsylvania system and they were all stuck and never saw each other and you know, wore the hoods over their heads so they couldn't see each other even when they were moving, you know, out into the yard. So right, this right. is a little more, this a little more closely resembles prisons today, I would say. Mm-hmm. Now, this comes from WestVirginiaPenTours.com, and I just thought this was interesting and I had to include it. This says, no architectural drawings of the West Virginia Penitentiary have been discovered. So an understanding of the plan developed by the Board of Directors must be obtained 
through their 1867 report, which details the procurement of a title for 10 acres of land and a proposal to enclose about seven acres. Now, the prison yard would be a parallelogram, 682 and a half feet in length by 352 and a half feet in width, enclosed by a stone wall five feet in thickness at the bottom and two and a half feet at the top, with foundations five feet below the surface and a wall 25 inches thick. So the wall itself goes five feet down in the ground. I guess, mm-hmm. you know, five feet they determined was enough to keep you from digging under it. I wouldn't want to dig in the ground more than five feet. Well, you got to think if you're going to dig under it to, to get out, you, you've got to go at least, you know, six or seven feet to get enough room to crawl under the wall. Right. And then the wall is five feet thick. Yep. So you you not only are you going to have to dig down that far, you're going to have to dig straight ahead that far. Yep. That's a challenge. Right. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, you make the assumption if somebody started it, you know, they're, they're not going to finish it just overnight. So you're going to yep. be able to catch them if anybody was actually trying. Right. <laughs> a lot, lot more time to catch them that way. Yeah. We're, we're going to make this place hard to dig out of. Yeah. Which I I kind of always thought, you know, you know, I've seen Shawshank Redemption. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, that that's a it's a great story, but man, you know, you're going to you're going to start digging. <laughs> it's like yeah. you 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 best not stop and you better go fast cuz they're going to figure it out. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, Andy Dufresne. <laughs> Now, this goes on to say that at each of the corners of this wall would be large turrets for the use of the guards with inside staircases. Now, guard rooms would be above on a level with the top of the main, and the superintendent's house and cell buildings would be so placed that the rear wall of each would form part of the west wall. So, part of the wall are the superintendent's house and the cell buildings. All right, so let's get back to the public records from Ohio County Public Library. This says that details as to the original architects and contractors is sketchy at this time, but reports do indicate that the plans for later building designs, quote, adhered to the original design of the architect, end quote. It is known that some of the stone was quarried from Marshall and Wetzel counties and that the walls were built by the labor of convicts and citizens. Now, the early warden and board of directors reports indicate that a wooden structure was used at first to house the prisoners with a wooden stockade enclosing the yard. Now, by 1868, the South Cell Building was constructed of stone with a slate roof. A year later, the interior cells were completed and the outer walls and the warden's residence foundations were under construction. Over the years, other buildings were added Um, A report from September 1874 states that the penitentiary had its own, quote, blacksmith and wagon shops, carpenter shop, brickyard, stoneyard, paint shop, shoe shop, and tailor shop, end quote. Um, This also says that prisoners also worked in the kitchen, stables, and wash house. Now, these buildings, as well as later 1890s to 20s structures, such as the wash house, bakery, and hospital, were constructed inside the North Recreation Yard. This says that the north wing of the penitentiary was constructed by 1876 and used as a kitchen, dining room, and chapel 
before gradually having additional cells added in the 1890s. The administration building was also completed in 1876 and housed the residence of the warden on the fourth floor. For a number of years, the female prisoners were housed on the third floor, with the second floor serving as a hospital, especially during a typhoid fever outbreak in 1889. Now, keep all this in mind when Matt starts talking about the hauntings and where they're at and everything. You'll want to know kind of where everything was and and what all happened in these different areas. And, And Matt will touch on more of that later as well. Now, over time, the administration building was improved with money for the furniture and carpets for the warden's residence and roof repairs. Now, the wooden floor on the first floor entrance was changed to tile in 1886. Stone steps were installed outside in 1888. An elevator was installed in 1894, as well as the revolving cage on the first floor. The current exterior porch to the administration building was designed by Wheeling architects Geise and Ferris in 1908. And Geise, I like Geise. that name. Yeah, I don't know why, but I like that name, Geise. <laughs> hey, Geise. Hey, How Geise. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what? Speaking of the architecture, what's cool is this uh, this revolving cage. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it and it then the revolving cage was designed to separate the warden's residence from you know the rest of the population. Sure, what you would want. Exactly, but that, I mean that—that's kind of a cool idea, you know. So that you know, you could you could come and go, um, being in the prison but remaining separate from the prisoners, right? You know, and and it it just it it it, it reduced the 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 chance that even with a riot that they would be able to access the the warden's you know private residence. Yeah. And it's it's smart thinking, um, especially for the time. Now, this says that improvements were also made for the health of the prisoners with steam heat recommended by the prison doctor in the mid 1870s and the small coal oil lamps used for the cells in 1898 being replaced by electricity in 1900. Although gas pipes were fitted in the building, no gas had yet been provided by 1882. Now, when bricks were made for a new mess hall and hospital building in 1888, says that was not completed, the bricks were used instead for brick walls and roads inside the penitentiary yard, which was said to help with the health of the prisoners. The absence of the mud, the improved drainage, and increased cleanliness improved the sanitary conditions of the yard. So, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's open air. I mean, it just... it rains on the on the yard, and you've got all these prisoners out stomping around, and it. it's just constantly mucky and muddy yep. and dirt. So yep. it had I to mean, be gross. But again, people didn't care; they were prisoners, right? Right? Why? Why? Why should they care about a, a prisoner's sanitary conditions? But you know, when I and when I say people, I meant you know just regular citizens. They didn't care, right? You know, but. But the system was trying, you know, I mean, the system tried to make things better for the people that were housed there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they, again, it goes back to the thing I said one time, you know, some people believe that, uh, you didn't go to prison as punishment. You went to prison for punishment. Sure. So the, the prison sentence was just the beginning. 
but you know there was a push you know to to make these places you know it at the minimum more sanitary and healthy right it, it there was a change from um punishment and housing into correctional right so the correctional facility mindset where they can be uh, rehabilitated after doing their time and stuff like that started to come into play about this time. So they wanted to start making it to where you go in there and maybe it's not quite as horrific as it used to be. And, you you know, there might be some converts, you know, mm-hmm. um, later on down the line when your prison sentence was up. But again, you know, bad living situations, you know, Un- unsanitary environment a lot of stress you know it, it just it led to to violence and arguments and sickness and death mm-hmm. and all of that it's where the energy builds yeah you know it, it all of that pushes this you know the just the power that would hold these hauntings in place. Yep. You know, so I know a lot of people think, oh, you know, we got we get all these specs on these places and we get all this, you know, information, historical information. It's crucial to understand why this place might be haunted and this one might not be. Right. And so when we're when we're looking at these things and we're saying these things, you know, keep in mind, you know, the, the it was still not pleasant to be yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and all of that emotion that came with being a prisoner, you pile on the fact that you're walking through the muck. You know, the 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 toilet system was a mess. Yep. You know, to and that's putting it mildly. Originally, no heat or air. Yeah, no heat or air. You know, and just imagine having to live in that environment. And in West Virginia in the winter. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, they say that, you know, even the, it, it, they don't do some of these tours in the wintertime because it's so freaking cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so imagine being a prisoner there during those kind of winters with no heat and, and you're just shivering constantly, you know, yep. probably you, you can't sleep. You're, you're miserable all the time and all that emotion builds and inside this enormous stone structure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Stones that were quarried from not too far away. So, you know, exactly. They could have had been amongst Indian burial mounds or anything like that. And these people would have just pulled them up and used them in the penitentiary. So exactly. People didn't think about that back then. Nope. But we talk about it now. (laughs) Absolutely. That's what we're here for. Now, this is from an article by Iron City Paranormal. Um, This says, throughout its history, the West Virginia State Penitentiary has seen its share of violence and death. The amount of inhumane treatment and dangerous living situations actually led to the prison being named one of the top 10 most violent correctional facilities by the U.S. Department of Justice. Now, this prison is probably as close to the cliche of, quote, prisoners running the asylum as you can get. The numerous gang affiliations and normal trade and barter systems were commonplace, and not just with the prisoners, but with the guards as well. Riots and breakouts would be nothing new for a prisoner's or guard's life at West Virginia Penitentiary, and the cemetery situated on the grounds followed suit 
with the prison eventually, and deceased inmates would begin to make their way into the public cemeteries, which caused a lot of displeasure from the locals. And we'll talk about the riots and, and all that here shortly as well. And, you know, it, it's funny to me that locals around the area would have a problem with prisoners being buried in their cemeteries. I know. I, I read that, too, and I thought, why is that such a big deal? Right, right. It doesn't seem like, I mean, they're dead. They're not going. Right. They're, they're not going to kill you with, with them already being killed. Yeah. You know, it's, it's they hard been it, killed. What they're going to do. It's hard to steal a horse when you're six feet under. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, hey, you know, what, yeah. what, what harm is it to let them be, be buried here? Yeah, I don't know. But apparently it, it caused a lot of, quote, strong displeasure from them. So, Okay, Adam, let's talk about one of tonight's sponsors, Shudder from AMC Networks. Now, as the world's premier streaming service for horror, thriller, and supernatural content, Shudder is spooky 24-7, 365. Just because Halloween has come and passed doesn't mean that the scares don't continue. Sign up for Shudder and get access to the largest collection of acclaimed horror movies and series streamed right to your favorite devices. Some of these exclusive titles include Creepshow Animated Special, which is a Shudder original, Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist, Blood Vessel, and Scare Me, starring Josh Rubin, Aya Cash, and Chris Red. That's right. And you can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. That's a great price. And Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. It's been called the Netflix of horror. Now, there are new spine-tingling thrillers, shocking horrors, and edge-of-your-seat suspense added weekly, and you'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all of your favorite devices, such as iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, Xbox One, Amazon Fire TV, that's where I watch it, Google Chromecast, Roku, and all your Android devices. And Matt, I love this because I love B-horror movies and all those, you know, those older, just cheesy horror movies. I love them. And, you know, I, I used to keep a collection of DVDs around the house. Who's got a DVD player anymore? I don't have a DVD player anymore. Me either. So... It's like all of those movies I just wasn't able to watch, but I can with AMC Shutter. You can go on there and you can find all of those cool old horror movies that you loved, plus, like you were saying, all of these new original Shutter movies and and shows that are coming out and I think it's great. Yeah. It's fantastic and it's such a great value. You know, if you're a fan of horror, thrillers or, or supernatural shows, this is definitely where you want to head because there's no other place that you're going to find this much content, you know, for for this kind of value. Right. And you can try Shutter free for 30 days. All you've got to do is go to Shutter.com and use our promo code GRAVE. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com. And our promo code is G-R-A-V-E. That's right. 
for Graveyard Tales listeners, you get to try Shudder for free for 30 days, an entire month of horror. All you have to do is go to Shudder, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com, and use our promo code GRAVE, G-R-A-V-E. Now, let's get into the prison's rough past a little bit. And and this will be the part where in some of these situations, it may get a little touchy for you. But hang on. It, it It's not that bad. I mean, it's that bad. We just don't go into the detail of how <laughs> bad that was. We're, we're not going to gloss it over. We're just not going to include all the gory bits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, this says that the structure was originally built for 480 prisoners, but by the early 1930s, it housed a total of 2,400. Now, that is a constant with almost every prison we talk about. Exactly. And I guess it is today. You hear about overcrowding. Mm-hmm. We, got, we, don't have enough, we don't have enough room to keep all these people. I know. know? And, it's, it's wild. and it's not just like... We got about 200 more prisoners than we're supposed to have. No, we got about 2,000 more than we're supposed yeah. to have. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. Because this says that at times, three prisoners would be assigned to one of the five by seven cells. Five by seven. Five by seven. I bet some of our listeners have closets that are bigger than this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and think about three people being crammed in there for what? 22 hours of the day, 23 hours of a day. Yeah. Well, you can't even sit down. Yes. You can't, you can't sleep. You're just. Yeah, well, you, you have to take shifts. One person lays on the floor and the other two stand up while that, that third person sleeps. There's a, there's a term for that. that I'm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it includes elbows. There's a lot of right. elbows. <laughs> yep. Elbows to buttholes. Now, this goes on to say that in the late 1800s, Moundsville took over all executions for the state. In all, 85 men were hung and nine electrocuted. The executions are only a small part of the violent past at Moundsville. Suicide, murder, and violent punishments contributed to the death of hundreds of inmates. Because of poor record keeping, the exact number of inmates who died violent deaths while incarcerated at Moundsville is pretty much unknown. Now, in 1886, prison officials were exposed for hiding whips and other items used to punish incorrigibles from the state inspectors. But after one of the superintendents resigned from the prison, he did a, quote, tell-all interview with the inquirer exposing the violence and torture on inmates by prison officials. Now, the following are excerpts from an interview describing the atrocities. This first one is titled Kicking Jenny. Now, this says, It is an instrument invented and built in the prison. It is made somewhat in the shape of a quarter circle, with the highest end about three or four feet above the platform upon which it is set. The prisoner is stripped naked and bent over upon the machine. His feet are fastened to the floor with ropes, while his hands, which are stretched over the upper end, 
are tied with ropes attached to small blocks, by which a tension so strong that the frame of the prisoner can almost be torn in two can be made with a slight pull. After the prisoner is placed in a position or in position, the superintendent or whoever does the whipping takes a heavy whip made of sole leather, two pieces of which about three feet long are sewn together and the ends scraped slightly rounding the lash being three inches broad at the handle, tapering to a point. Now with the whip, the prisoner is beaten until he is almost dead or the strength of the man who is doing the whipping gives out. Yeah. So, so if if you, if you can't picture how this is, just, just imagine that you've got essentially a, a, an arced stone Mm -hmm. that goes from the ground into an arc and you're, you're standing and you just, you lay over it. So it's, it's curved and your body is laying a, over the curve so it's curved but at the end where your head hangs off they've got blocks tied to your arms pulling you down across right. it so essentially feet strapped like to a, the floor yeah it's like a curved rack yeah. you know stretching you out and so here you are if it's not bad enough that it's sitting there pulling you apart now they're going to whip you yep and it said you know the the um Tension on that was strong enough where they could possibly pull you in two if they wanted to, but instead they just whipped you within yeah. an inch of your life, literally. I mean, I so I, I don't, I can't imagine what could what they could have possibly have done in this prison to to say, okay, you know, you get the kicking Jenny. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, if they if they if they murdered somebody in prison, then they should have been tried and convicted for that. Yeah. You know, not, you know, not necessarily this, but I would imagine that, you know, if you, if they caught you sneaking an extra roll out of the, out of the, the mess hall or whatever, then you, you probably got this. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you and know, it, it didn't, it didn't take much for a, no. uh, for some of these guys that were essentially sadists uh, yep. to just decide that it was it was your turn to be uh, put on this device and, and tortured, essentially. Right. It's just, it's wild. Now, the second one that he talked about was called the shoe fly. And he says, quote, that infernal kicking Jenny was not the only instrument of torture. There was the shoe fly, an instrument so arranged that the victim could be placed with his feet in the stocks, his arms pinioned and his head fastened so that he could not move it. Then someone would take the hose and turn the water full upon the prisoner's face. This was kept up until the victim was partially strangled to death. Imagine a man receiving a stream of water from an inch nozzle full in the face without the power of changing his position. Then think of that stream being ice cold water, and you can form an idea. Yeah, so this this it's like is like a fire it, hose. This is like horrific waterboarding. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're unable to move. You're strapped down, and they're just blasting you in the face with a fire hose. Yeah, you can't and, breathe. I mean, yeah, I was going to say you basically suffocate or drown while on dry land. 
So that, I mean, that's insane. Now, the last thing I got here is from a New York Times article from January 2nd, 1986. Now, the Associated Press has a more detailed article about this. Uh, The link will be in the description if you want to get some of the more gory details. But I chopped this up for some important parts and leaving out the bloody, nasty mess that the Associated Press article had. Um, So you can go down there and find the AP in our um, sources if you want to read all that. Now, this is the article about a riot that happened at the prison. And this says, quote, Knife-wielding inmates seized control of the West Virginia Penitentiary Wednesday, taking 14 hostages and demanding to meet the governor, the authorities said. One inmate was reported to be dead already. State troopers in riot gear encircled the overcrowded 120-year-old maximum security prison. The officials made plans to, quote, take back the institution. Sheriff Donald Bordenkircher of Marshall County said um, he was a former warden of the penitentiary. Now, the uprising, which began around 530 Wednesday evening, involved up to 200 of the 750 inmates at the prison, said Sergeant Larry Henry, a spokesman for the state police. One hostage, a guard with a history of heart trouble, was released about midnight and taken to a local hospital. One inmate was reported to be dead, according to John Price, a spokesperson from Governor Arch A. Moore Jr. Quote, we don't know if it was the result of violence, end quote, he said. You quit treating us like dogs and this wouldn't happen, one inmate shouted at police officers beyond the prison walls. We want better living conditions, better facilities, and better medical condition. We don't want this any more than you do. Now, once the captain's booth was overrun, and the 16 guards who were taken hostage were stripped of their keys, the penitentiary's South Hall fell without resistance. Now, the South Hall and administrative offices were ransacked, and damage was estimated at $200,000. The inmates called a television station and demanded a meeting with Governor Moore and prison officials to discuss their grievances, said John Dominic of WTRF-TV in Wheeling. They asked that two television reporters attend that meeting, he said. The area around the prison was sealed off and there was no danger to nearby residents, said William Camerling, a spokesperson for the Moundsville Police Department. A major riot took place in the prison in 1973 and in 1979. Fifteen inmates escaped in a mass breakout that left one prisoner and one state official dead. In 1983, conditions in the prison were declared unconstitutional by Circuit Judge Arthur Recht because of overcrowding, and the Corrections Department is under court order to make improvements. Now, the prison's official capacity is 650 inmates, but Mr. Hendricks said the population was about 100 inmates above the limit on December 25th. So, all of that was recent. Right. That was in the past 30 years. So we're not talking, you know, I guess 40 years. Um, but we're not talking 1800s. You know, that that was 1980s. So that's wild. Yeah. And, and so you we talked about the energy and along with all of the all of the rioting, the death, the violence, torture. All of that just builds up and and is trapped inside those stone walls. 
And, and that energy supposedly, you know, helps to feed these hauntings that go on to this day at the Moundsville prison. Now, an interesting thing that I found, it said that many inmates believe that if you died in prison, your soul stayed in prison. Hmm. So that's an interesting way to look at it, especially when we're talking about a prison where so many people died, either by uh, execution or through torture or through being killed by another inmate. Um, You know, if if you died there and your soul stayed there, then you were you were trapped. You you were never going to be able to 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 move along to the other side. Right now, it's interesting that hauntings have been reported at the Moundsville prison as far back as the 1930s. You know, back so when the prison was still operating. It was closed. Yeah, 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 way before. Now, during this time, an inmate was often seen walking along a maintenance area where prisoners were not allowed. And in some cases, the guards would set off the alarms. But when they went to investigate, there was no one there, and all the inmates were accounted for. Hmm. You know, yet they routinely would see an inmate in a restricted area. Now, there are several areas in the Moundsville prison that are known as hotspots, where that the most paranormal activity occurs. Right. Now now these places include the chapel, the the shower cages, which I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> shower yeah, that, shower cages. That either sounds really bad or quite naughty. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of thinking that way too. <laughs> <laughs> now the uh, another area was known as the sugar shack which was kind of the 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 wreck area uh and death row of course yeah you know we gotta you know death row's gotta be haunted in any prison you know, it's gotta be um and the north wagon gate which is where death row inmates were taken to be hung before the facility switched to the electric chair which, I mean, they switched to the electric chair because it was more humane, they said. But yet they only executed nine people through electrocution. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, like okay, well, we've, well, we've hung 85 of them. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we want this because it's more humane. We're not really going to use it, but <laughs> we're going to have it because it's more humane. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, but... By the time they got it, you know, it's only been used nine times. It's probably been pristine condition, you, which <laughs> you can see it. They still yeah. have it. Um, it's I, th- it, I think I read that it's it's all sealed up and protected, so you can't touch it. You know, it it it's been it's it's been preserved. You know, for the sake of tours and things like that. Right. But I thought it was funny. All these articles made a point of saying. You know, the Moundsville electric chair nicknamed Old Sparky. And I'm like, aren't they all nicknamed Old Sparky? Yep. I mean, I thought so. I've I've heard that out of a dozen different places. Mm-hmm. Why not get more creative? 
Exactly. <laughs> like Sir Sparks a lot or, you know, something. <laughs> Sir Sparks a lot. <laughs> uh, Mr. Sparkles, you know, something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> something like, you know, the, the the frying pan, you know, something yeah, right, like that. Right. <laughs> or, you know, to Allison Chain's song, call it the angry chair. The angry chair. You know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Old Sparky. No, that's yeah, that's what they all called him. There there must be a manual for nicknames of prison things. <laughs> and like, if you don't want to call it what it is, here's the only thing you're allowed to call it as a nickname. Yeah. Yeah. It's if you've got electric chair, you can call it old Sparky and that's it. Or the electric chair or the electric chair. Uh, another area that's known for strange occurrences is the circular entrance gate which, as we mentioned before, was used to separate arriving inmates from the warden's living quarters. Now, according to reports, the circular cage turns periodically by itself. That's weird. It gives the impression that the spirits of criminals are still arriving at the prison. Why would you want to do that after death? I'm not going back there. I know. Well, it's like, okay, if you die in prison, your spirit stays in prison. So what if you if you die at another prison, you get transferred to this one? You know, Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> they're still shipping in the spirits of other prisoners, yeah. you know. Now, we realize you died at this one, but we got to ship you over to Moundsville. And they're like, oh, not Moundsville. <laughs> they got old Sparky there. Yeah, we hate that place. Yeah, stupid yeah. old Sparky with the revolving doors and. Maybe maybe they uh maybe they bring in uh if if you're if you're in the afterlife and you commit a crime this is where you go. Oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, it's like ah you took this haunting a little too far. You yeah. know, you get 2 years at Moundsville. Oh. Yeah, you know. really? Am I going to have to am I going to have to go visit Sir Sparks a lot cuz I didn't mean to. I just got carried away. Routinely this 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 line of of Spirit criminals, you know, march through the the revolving gate. So <laughs> now, some visitors have reported seeing the shadow man, which is described as being a staticky silhouette that roams the ground. Staticky silhouette. I, I That's get odd. I get this image of like when you were when you were trying to watch something you shouldn't be watching on cable on a scrambled channel. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's like oh, this wiggly, wavy line in the middle of it, and you're like, "Yeah, yeah I think I see something." Uh, no, what What is that? I think if I squint, mm-hmm. I can see it. Yeah, you um, gotta squint and turn your head eighty degrees, and then you can see it. <laughs> yeah, that's what the Shadow Man apparently looks like at Moundsville. Now, along with its history, the penitentiary is said to have been built, as we mentioned before, on the grounds of the Adena tribe's sacred burial site, and. You know, there there's some there's some reason to believe this since directly across the street from the central administrative administrative tower is the Grave Creek Mound, as Adam mentioned earlier, um, which is the largest of these burial mounds and the only mound remaining in the town of Moundsville. Mound, mound, Moundsville. You know, hey, guess what? Right. You, you you build something in Moundsville, chances are you're burning it. You're 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 burning it. Chances are you're building it on top of an Indian burial site. Yeah. 
I mean, that whole town is a mound, basically. Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much. So, you know, you're screwed either way. Yeah. If you live in Moundsville, we're sorry, but you know, you're you're probably walking on an Indian burial mound. Yeah. You know, you you build an outhouse, you you you've got yourself a haunted <laughs> outhouse. A haunted pooper. <laughs> now, I mentioned the sugar shack earlier. Now, this was the recreation room that was found in the basement. And the sugar shack was the nickname given to this place by the prisoners. And it was once infamous for illegal gambling, drug deals, rape, fighting, and murder. So I don't like the name Sugar Shack. The Sugar Shack is not a fitting moniker. No, I don't like that name. <laughs> yes. Uh-uh. So today, visitors will report hearing unseen people arguing, talking, and whispering in the Sugar Shack. Uh, others have heard unexplained noises and even felt cold spots within the room. Now, in addition to the recreation room, the whole basement area is said to be haunted by a maintenance man who once worked at the prison. Now, he was often said to have spied on the prisoners and was kind of the uh, the prison tattletale. Um, you know, he would report to uh, to the warden any any news or infractions and in retaliation he was stabbed several times with shivs while he was in the bathroom snitches get stitches snitches get stitches i hate the fact that my when my kids were little and they would tattletale on one another the other one would go <laughs> snitches get stitches <laughs> and, and then my son would be like and end up in ditches and yeah <laughs> And get cursed by witches. <laughs> it just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> now, but after the maintenance man's death, his ghost was said to wander around in the basement area, and some people have even reported equipment malfunctions in that area. Now, the North Wagon Gate, that was one of the, one of the other areas at the front where the prisoners would come in. As we talked about that just a few minutes ago. Now, it is the prison's oldest structure. And it's said to be home to one of the prison's most active ghosts. Now, this area once held the execution gallows, and a man named Orville Adkins was hanged in 1938. Now, visitors say that this area just has an evil feeling, and they feel like they're being watched. Now, mysterious sounds and voices have been captured in EVPs, and sometimes people even see the ghosts of former prisoners waiting to be executed. Now, that's weird. We hadn't mentioned this up to this point, but the collection of EVPs at Moundsville Prison is pretty impressive. I mean, right. you know, there there are a lot uh, of paranormal investigators that have collected some pretty solid EVPs while investigating the the prison. I think that was just the most one of the most redundant sentences I ever said. <laughs> I was like, yeah, have you ever just start talking and you kind of lose where you are and you just feel like, did I just repeat myself? Yeah, I do that quite a bit. <laughs> but if you if you like EVPs, this is kind of a, a tie into what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, we have an episode on Patreon 
where we discuss EVPs and the history of EVPs and the different classes of EVPs, A, B, and C. So if you're interested, want to know a little bit more, we got an episode on Patreon about that. Sorry, Matt. Hey, no problem. Shameless plug. Shameless Shameless plug plug. for another one of our episodes. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. We we, we plug ourselves on that. Hey, you got to, man. Now, the, the that gate is said to be haunted by Orville Atkins, who was condemned for kidnapping a minister who was later found dead. Now, his execution was botched. <laughs> this is Adam and I were talking about this before the show. Yeah, so, this, this is wild. So as the noose was being put around this guy's neck, a nervous, a nervous assistant pulled the trapdoor handle too quickly. And and so was he like shaking and just accidentally like his arm accidentally clicked it open? Like what is it? A, is it a timing thing? Is there a trick to it? Is it like yeah. flipping and catching a ball and a cup on a stick or something? Yeah. Like all you got to do is pull the lever when he's ready. I, right. I don't see how it's Why that is your hard. hand on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you, maybe he couldn't count one two three. You know, yeah. it's like right. no wait oh, wait do. Do we go on three, or is it three, then go? You know? Right, right. right. Listen, <laughs> Phil, we've told you, get your hand off the lever. <laughs> Do not touch the lever, Phil. So anyway, so so Phil, we don't know if it's Phil, <laughs> but for this story, well, it's now Phil. We'll Phil, go by Phil. <laughs> Phil throws the lever, <laughs> and poor old Orville falls 20 feet, not hooked up to the noose, and lands on the stone walkway. Kablam. Uh, now, he was injured, as you might guess, but he yeah. survived. So what do you do? You're like, oh, man, is, is he okay? Uh, he's hurt pretty bad. Is he alive? Well, yeah, he's still alive. All right, well, drag him back up there and <laughs> let's hang him proper. Uh, and that's exactly yep. what they did. They yep. drugged this guy back up the scaffold and hooked him to the noose and then hung him the right way. And they didn't let Phil do it this they didn't time. So. Phil do it this time. Like, get out of the way, Phil. Let me show you yeah. how it's done for the 15th time. Yeah. <laughs> but you, they say that you can hear Orville's footsteps slowly pacing back and forth at the front gate. If anybody's going to haunt that place, it's going to be Orville. You know it. I mean, good you, grief. You know this poor guy. Now he's all beat. He's probably already just been like, okay, I, I've accepted the fact that, you know, I committed this crime and I'm being punished, you mm-hmm. know, for my crime and I've accepted my death. And then, whoa, you know, yeah. whoa, uh, you know, now, now, you know, yeah, I got to drag this broken guy back up there and then really kill him. Have you ever heard Insane. of cruel and unusual? Yeah, that's both. That's- yeah With more of the unusual of the but you unusual. know <laughs> yeah unintentional but unusual yeah just because of stupid phil not knowing how to do it now the north hall which we mentioned earlier was where the prison's worst offenders were placed now these were not for the crimes that they committed in the outside world but for their violent behavior while on the mm. inside. Now, 
though they were locked down in their cells for 23 hours a day, two murders occurred in the North Hall. Now, one of them was a biker named Danny Lehman, who was also known as Spider. Now, Danny was stabbed in the eye by another inmate and died from his hemorrhages. Now, not to get too graphic, but uh, I I watched a tour of, of the prison, and the tour guide says that there was a there was a little hook on the end of the shiv that they used, and Yikes. so they pulled it out. Yikes! Okay, so I will let your imagination run wild at what happened to Danny Layman. I thought you were going to say not to get too graphic, but there was a tour guide who <laughs> ha- had somebody on the tour and demonstrated. <laughs> What happened? (laughs) (laughs) He stabbed him in the eye like this. Yeah. So who wants to volunteer? Nope. 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 Yeah. No, we're not going to. We're not playing that. This isn't a magic show. I'm not volunteering for this. And they did say that Danny was responsible for most of the quote unquote artwork uh, that you see in the North Hall. Artwork being used, I guess, like graffiti. Yeah. All right, Matt. So let's take a second and talk about one of tonight's sponsors, HelloFresh. Now you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh. It's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And I know that you guys have heard us talk about every plate. Well, every plate and HelloFresh are the same company, and it's great to be able to have both because they have different recipes and different ingredients for each one. And so it's good to switch up back and forth and try different things all the time. And HelloFresh offers convenient, no contact delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. And that's great now because everything needs to be, you know, contactless nowadays. So it's great that they do that in they were kind of the pioneers of that, Matt. I just have to say, they were kind of the pioneers of that. Yeah, exactly. HelloFresh delivers fresh, high-quality, pre-portioned ingredients so you can make meals that are delicious and nutritious. Over 90% of ingredients are sourced directly from growers to ensure peak flavor and ripeness. And HelloFresh is the first global carbon-neutral meal kit company. By skipping the grocery store... And using HelloFresh, you're reducing your food waste by at least 25%. That's great. Yeah. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients so you're not overbuying, which is a burden on the planet, and your wallet. The packaging HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable and or already recycled content. And, and, you know, this this is great. And it's it's a such a good value and these recipes you're making are they're not going to be something that you just pick up and decide hey i think we're going to make you know gouda burgers with potato buns tonight i mean that's just Mm -hmm. not something you do but we did it and and it was great it was fantastic 
And and the kids got excited when they saw the Hello Fresh box arrive on the porch because they knew that this was not just going to be a regular dinner. This was going to be something that they were going to get to be involved in too. You know, right? And I, Michael likes that. Michael uh, is the same way. He likes seeing it. And you know, you know as well as I do, we get stuck in the rut of you got you know work and kids got school and all that. And so you think, okay, I've got these five meals that I'm going to do throughout the week, and you you always rotate these things. Well, the great thing about this is uh, this gets you out of your rut, man. You, you're not going to have the same old meat and rice that you would cook two or three times a week this is throwing a wrench in that routine there which is great and it it makes you enjoy cooking dinner again with the family yeah and and just like we said you know if let's say you need shallots for a recipe you know you go to the grocery store you buy shallots you make whatever it is and then you've got all these extra ones that you you just know i'm not going to use them yeah, what do I do with shallots? Yeah, you're going to pitch them in the trash. So now you've overspent and you've wasted food. But with HelloFresh, they only give you the amount that you need for that recipe. So you're not going to waste anything and you're not buying something that you're, you're not going to need. So it's it's really, it's, it's a great value. It's great for the environment and it's great for your wallet. Right. And all you got to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard90 and use the code GRAVEYARD90, that's G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-9-0, and you can get $80 off, including free shipping. That's right, Adam. So for our listeners, all you have to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard90 and use the code GRAVEYARD90 to get $80 off, including free shipping. But the tour guides do recommend that if you don't get a response using the name Danny, try calling out for Spider and see what happens. Because he forgot his real name in the afternoon. He forgot his real name. But, you know, you go by a nickname long enough, that becomes your name. That's true. Now, the other man who was murdered in the North Hall was named William Red Snyder. Now, Snyder was convicted of murdering his parents and dismembering their corpses. Mm. Red was disliked by many inmates, and he was involved in a number of fights. Now, in the end, Red was attacked in front of his cell and fatally stabbed 37 times. Ah. Yeah, 37 times. Actually, he was... 36 more than needed. That's right. You know, one, one one of them got him, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we don't know which one, so we're going to do it 36 more to make sure. And there's only one fatal one. The rest <laughs> of them are just overkill. Right. Now, the North Hall has been the site of many strange events, including photographic anomalies, equipment malfunctions, the sounds of cell doors banging when no one is there. And most people will report this very uncomfortable feeling when they visit this area. Now, Red's cell is said to be particularly haunted. Now, Red was supposed to be buried in the prison cemetery on Tom's Run, known as Whitegate Cemetery. However, Red was so respected and feared, even in death, by the other prisoners 
that they took up a collection to have his body taken to Riverview Cemetery, which, as Adam mentioned before, outraged the local citizens. Yeah. So, I mean, not only are they saying, hey, this this dude was was, you know, a horrific murderer on the outside. He was a piece of crap on the inside. Mm-hmm. We don't want him back. Even if he's yeah. dead, you yeah. keep him. <laughs> right. That's pretty much what it was. We got rid of him once. We don't want him back now. But can you imagine being so bad that the prisoners don't even want you buried there? They'll take up a collection so that they can get rid of your body? Yeah, that's insane. I mean, you got to be a, you got to be a bad dude <laughs> for yeah. a bunch of prisoners to to care that much about where you're buried. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> but after a, after a, a a brief argument, Red's body was finally allowed to be interred at Riverview, but there is no stone to mark his his grave. Hmm. So I guess that was the trade-off. Uh, well, you can bury him here, but you can't put a headstone up there. Now, Red's body may have finally made it out of the prison, but in uh, in the minds of many visitors and tour guides, his spirit never did. Now, one of the first people to encounter Red's ghost was a lady named Maggie, who is now a tour guide for the historical tours of the prison. Hmm. Now, one morning before tours opened up, Maggie was doing her walkthrough when she went past Red's former cell and heard his distinct voice say, Morning, Mag. So, curious, Maggie sought the help of paranormal investigator Polly Gear, and together they caught an EVP late one night. Now, Maggie was alone in Red's old cell and was telling him that his killer had recently been released. Now, when the recording was played back, Red seemed to answer back, that he already knew. Hmm. So that that one will kind of give you cold chills. Yeah, I mean, well. And you can imagine being a tour guide and actually being called by name. Yeah. I mean, you know, hearing things and, and even seeing things, you know, at a place like Moundsville is one thing. But hearing your own name while you're you're doing your walkthrough. Oh God, that that just about yep. make your knees weak, you know. Yeah, to know that an old prisoner there who who's dead now knows you by name. Yeah, that's right. And and knows what you're what you're doing around there. Yeah, and that that would that would give you the willies. Uh, you know, you remember I talked about this one show where it's like it's it's so it it scares you so bad that. There's no fight or flight. You just uh, mm-hmm. you just give up. You know you, yep. your knees just buckle. It's just like oh, you got me. You know, right. <laughs> yep. like, I can't do anything about it. That's that's what would happen to me if I heard my oh, own yeah. name walking around in a haunted prison. I'd be like oh, yep. I'm done. Two I'm done. Two things would happen. First, <laughs> defecate. <laughs> Second, knees go weak mm-hmm. and hope you don't fall in your own defecation. <laughs> yeah, fall forward. Always forward. Yes, always forward. Now, in the solitary confinement area, a lot of people that visit there report feeling cold spots, but they also feel like they have been touched on their back. Okay, so yeah, it's a little, it's a little weird, you know. Now, now we're getting touchy feely. 
Mm-hmm. Now, again. You know what that reminds me of? What's that? The South Pittsburgh Hospital down in the basement where you had that nurse that would feel <laughs> up guys. Yes, yes, yes. That, uh, that was the immediate thing that popped into my head when you said touched on the back. I was reminded of that uh, naughty ghost in South Pittsburgh. That's right. I, I remember that. I love that. <laughs> uh, you know, so yeah, if you're if you're if you're a male visitor, you know, I was like, hey, I'm getting, whoa, what's that? Yeah, you know, you're gonna get, get goosed. goosed. <laughs> <laughs> so as we said, you know, the the prison is still very active today. And and unlike some of the other prisons that we've talked to, it, it is open um, to the public. In fact, you can visit uh, the West Virginia Pen Tours or, or WVPenTours.com, as Adam mentioned earlier, and you can get all the details about the tours. And, and there are many to choose from. I mean, you can take the guided day tours, which kind of just walks you through the structures and shows you all the architecture. There is actually an an escape the pen tour where it's it's like a big escape game um, where you're you're kind of locked in a room just like you know so a lot of cities have these escape game things now. But, we did one of those one time. It's interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're fun. Um, you know, I think it's 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 kind of cool if you're with the right people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but there there are public ghost hunts that you can do. Um, you know they have uh, they have you know nighttime tours, twilight tours, tours designed for photography. They they have their own uh, uh, dungeon of horrors, uh, haunted house that they put on there. Um, they have the North Walk tour, which is you know the area we talked about where Red and Danny were murdered. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and they you can even do private paranormal investigations. Um, for a, a pretty decent fee where you can visit the prison and, and stay overnight. Uh, so, I mean, you know, go check out their website. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. I mean, they, they, they range anywhere from, you know, a $14 tour all the way up to just over a thousand dollars for a private paranormal investigation. I mean, so for whatever you might want to do, um, you know, a, a visit to the Moundsville prison, I, I think it's a pretty good investment. If this is your bag, I mean, you, you can pretty mm-hmm. much, you know, tour it however you like. You know, you, you just want to see the architecture and, and get some of the history. They got you covered. You want to go in there and you want to hunt ghosts. You want to hear some of the gruesome stories about what happened in the prison and the and the uh, the living conditions that were there for these folks. You've, you've got that too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty awesome that, you know, not only is it still open, but they celebrate, you know, the haunted history that they've got. Um, and, and such, as we said at the beginning of the show, such a cool looking place. Oh, yeah. I mean, just, you know, it, it does. It looks like a, a castle fortress, you know, amazing. I mean, just, you know, look, you know, look at the pictures of it. It's just incredible looking. Yeah. Like you said, I, and if you are only interested in old buildings and the history of it, this is still a place to check out because it's amazing. It's got a long history, 129 year history of, you know, being built and, and being in business up until fairly recently for what Matt and I talk about. That's pretty recent, you know, in the nineties yeah. um, to still be 
used. And if you're into ghost hunting, this is another one of those that you're bound to experience something. Yeah. Whether you just get a bad feeling or whether you'd all, you know, go all out and you get an apparition of the staticky shadow figure or you get your name called. Um, so definitely go check it out. And if you live in the Moundsville, West Virginia area and you've seen this or you've been here or or heard something that we didn't talk about, let us know. We, we always like hearing that. Um, you know, you can call our voicemail and leave us a voicemail about it or you know email us or hit us up on social media and tell us all about it because we love hearing from you guys especially when you know you you have experiences at a place that we talk about yeah and and the best place to share those experiences photos of places you would visit like moundsville or really anywhere in west virginia i mean West Virginia has got so much going on, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, Let us know, and a good place to let us know is in our Facebook group. Uh, Just go to Facebook and search Graveyard Tales. You'll find the show page, but you'll also find a link to get into our Facebook group, uh, which we talk about just about every show. It's a a really great environment to, to share good haunted stories, to share some humor, uh, in a safe in a safe place where you're not going to get picked on, you're not going to get made fun of. Um, everybody just kind of looks out for one another. Um, yep. And while you're doing that, you can go to our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can find links to listen to the show. You can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. Find out a little bit more about Adam and myself. And you can become a patron and Adam mentioned all the new features for uh, our Patreon site and and what we're offering, and we're really working hard to put out more and more content uh, to go along with the show. And you're also going to get some content that is is not typical. Um, you know, we just did a, mm-hmm. we, we we just did a great show about the weird <laughs> stuff you can find on Amazon. I think it was probably one of the I, I, you will hear Adam and I laugh more at the stuff that that, that Adam <laughs> found to buy on Amazon than on just about any other show. Um, yep, so exactly. If, if you want to hear some things that we don't typically talk about, um, you know, you can join our our uh, uh, our Patreon for one, five, or or ten dollars, and you even get it given some video of us doing these shows. Mm-hmm. Um. But as we always ask, please go and rate and review us on iTunes. Um, it helps bring us up the charts, and it makes it easier to bring people into the graveyard. So, for Adam and myself, until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.